Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together business owners, leaders and experts to talk about their business journeys and provide them with invaluable insights and explore the link between personal and business success. I am your host, Warren Munson, founder of Evolve. I have previously founded, grown and successfully exited three businesses in the business services and technology sectors. I have a passion for helping and advising businesses and seeing them succeed. We all know that leading and running a business comes with its own unique joys and challenges and Evolve provides the advice, guidance and support to the business, you and your teams on that journey, be that if you're starting, growing or looking to exit or step away from your business. We do this through our Ignite, Thrive and Optimize programs and services, which includes strategic advice, coaching and mentoring, leadership training, funded business support and so much more. If you want to learn more about Evolve, then please do go to evolveadvisory.co.uk or connect and message me on LinkedIn. For now though, let's just get on with the show. This week, I'm talking to brothers Dom and Elliot Chapman, co-founders of Chapman Capital, which acquires and grows boutique digital agencies. Chapman Capital was born on the back of the brothers' experience of growing and looking to sell their own B2B lead generation agency, Social Chaps. But instead of selling that business, they've used the knowledge and the resources gained from that experience to help other agencies struggling to build a strong pipeline. They made their first real significant acquisition in December 2022 with, with the acquisition of Speak On Podcast, the largest US company for booking guests onto podcasts. This acquisition turned Chapman Capital into a group with a revenue of more than £1 million and 35 staff in at least five different countries. They've gone on since to invest in several other agencies in 2023, as well as revealing the secrets of their rapid growth Amongst other things, Dom and Elliot discussed the practical and emotional intricacies of acquisitions, the challenges of company culture once the acquisition has taken place, working together as brothers, the evolution of their personal and professional relationship, celebrating success and navigating towards their next North Star. It's a really enjoyable and wholesome and wide-ranging conversation. I please hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome, Dom. Welcome, Elliot, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thanks Thank for having you. us on, Warren. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Really interested to hear the kind of VCP kind of business you formed to acquire creative agencies and what's been going on. Really interested to also explore how two brothers come to be in business together and how that works day yeah. to day um, <laughs> yes. and so much more. But we should probably start to give our listeners a bit of a kind of background to the story behind how Chapman Capital came to be founded. Yep. So Chapman Capital acquires and invests in boutique agencies. Um, so typically in the sort of the digital marketing world. And that came about, Dom and I had a lead gen agency, okay. uh, which we started on the back of two other businesses that we were struggling to grow. Started the lead gen agency, had good exposure to a lot of agencies and how they were trying to grow and the struggles that they had. Mm-hmm. And through our own failed selling, failure of selling our agency, um, one of our clients tried to buy us, didn't work out. It gave us the idea that we could actually start 
acquiring or investing in some of these agencies that are struggling to grow. Yeah. Um, because we've got a lead gen mechanism that we've created and it works for agencies. Okay. We felt that we were missing out on a lot of value. Um, the business model in Social Chaps, which is the lead gen agency, is retainers only. Okay. So we sort of sat down after the acquisition didn't go through of Social Chaps and said, right, where do we want to be? Who do you know? Who do we actually want to be? How are we going to get more success? Because we think there is an upper limit in the lead gen world. It is typically the value and the relationship just isn't the same as a service provider. Yeah. So how do we create deeper relationships? And we thought that by acquiring agencies that were struggling to build a yeah, yeah. build a real yeah. strong pipeline. Because usually they're great, they're creative, aren't they? They're great, produce exactly. great work. Yeah. But actually, where's that pipeline? And typically, there is a trend. This isn't exclusively the case, but there is typically a trend with agencies. So agency owners and agency founders are typically specialists. So... This, again, this isn't always the way, but a lot of the time they would have been made redundant, gone out as a freelancer, and within three years they've got four or five staff, they've got a small little agency, and that just gradually grows. Mm. It's a fairly typical trend in the industry. And what specialists typically aren't very good at is building that lead gen pipeline, which is where we come in. So we identified a gap in the market. Okay, yeah. It's also not what they enjoy as well. They want to be working mm. you know, on the creative um, within the business, not doing the sales, doing the finance, all the things that, you know, creative people don't yeah. necessarily enjoy. So that whole enjoy. back office function is something you bring as well yeah. as the lead gen. Is yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. We bring we bring the, the finance, the operations systems and obviously lead gen and sales as well. So it's, it's quite a lot of relief off of them as yeah. well um, when you're sort of hitting seven, eight staff and things start to, <laughs> yeah. to change um, and making that leap to, you know, a real business owner, I guess, not a real business owner, but a, you know, you have to grow up a little bit yeah. and making that change is a, is a big, you know, it's tough. Yeah. And so most of the businesses that or perhaps touching the ones that you have acquired, that you've acquired, you'd say they've probably gone through that kind of startup phase and they're probably ready to scale. Is that true? They're not really raw startups. They're proven as a, they've got a proven business position. Yeah. Proven, proven business position. Um, they're all profitable. And they're, they're at a point where we can inject everything that we need to. They're yeah. not going to break or fumble. Um, they can take on bigger clients and more clients, but they just don't have the, one, the energy, or mm. two, so, sometimes the know-how how to, how to get there. Yeah. So perhaps give us a run-through of the businesses that you have acquired in a relatively short space of time, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, it is quite a short space of time. So we acquired, within our first acquisition in December uh, 2022 where are we now 2022 yeah um so that is a company called speak on podcasts and that's how that's how we're here today yeah it is. they help senior executives or business leaders get on industry relevant podcasts um so that came about by a mutual connection somebody called gellan watt who is again fairly well known um down here on the south coast in the agency space and Speak on podcasts had a great delivery mechanism, but in terms of a long-term pipeline mm. from a lead gen perspective, they were they were struggling. So we we came in, had a conversation with Mark and Jakob, and did a deal. From we, our first conversation was on the fourth of November, and we completed the transaction on the sixteenth of December. 
Wow. It was quick. That was a quick. <laughs> it was quick. And they're based in the US. They're based yeah. in the US, which right. added a serious layer of... I can only imagine. It both it both helped and hindered, <clears throat> to be honest. It, it gave us the opportunity to be quite ruthless because we didn't know the market. We didn't know, you know, a lot of US law. We I mean, why would we? Yeah. So it gave us the opportunity to really turn the screw and say, right, if we want to do this, we have to do this on, on our terms. And thankfully that went in our favor because okay. it could have easily gone in another way and it meant that we were also able to be quite creative with the deal okay. um, because it was you know in the US not UK we were able to use a level of ignorance yeah to say listen we're going to be a little bit creative with it and they were they were happy to oblige Brilliant. Cool. Other acquisitions or other businesses that you're linked with? Yeah, so there's um, there's other investments so there's companies like Learn Behold FKC London um, 360 Social Gram Social Gram Finhouse that is right the full it's so they are all range. yeah so they're all typically creative social media agencies e-com agencies yeah. um, behold is a full end-to-end marketing and agency. are you looking to it's quite interesting to understand your proposition so are you looking to find agencies that are complementary to each other and build this kind of full offering full suites of services or are they all standalone they're all, but all benefit benefit from the lead gen they're all standalone yeah <clears throat> yeah all independent and they do benefit so we do in independent lead gen four of them as well yeah. um, but what happens quite nicely is because they all sit in slightly different markets um, or at different price points is uh, we have a view across all of the lead gen so we'll push um, certain sort of deals or companies into different businesses if they're not quite right. So yeah. there's a lot of um, sort of move around of, of deals yeah. and sales, which which works nicely. It's a really interesting model, isn't it, to have a business with a kind of skill set, with a offering, but actually you needed to scale that original business. Yeah. And then yeah. go and find businesses that need the services and, and benefit of both ends. And uh, it sounds like this has been really well coordinated. It does. Well it, it wasn't. <laughs> I don't want to play it down. Honest answer. We, um, we knew we wanted to do something like this. Yeah. We didn't know how we were going to do it. And I think that's actually quite an important mechanism to why this has worked out is we weren't set on a single route that this was going to work. Okay. Every single deal, every single investment has been quite different. Yeah. Um, and I think that is one of the key reasons why this has been successful and why we've been able to move quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we were fixed, if Dom and I were fixed on a certain route, whether that's raising equity, whether that's whatever it is, I think we would have struggled to have moved as quickly as we have. Yeah, and, and the other side of it is we're, we're constantly having a lot of conversations. So there's there's probably six or seven deals that have fallen through in the last year as well and that's yeah. full acquisitions to other investments um and that's i guess that's part of how we've grown so quickly is we've you know we just had a lot of conversations with a lot of people who were in our network um and new sort of new people as well so in i think it was october last year we started our own outreach to to look to buy agencies okay. and i think you had about 65 <laughs> conversations in four, burnt. in four weeks <laughs> and then and then speak on podcast came came in so i think it is part of it's just a volume game of just you know putting yeah. it out there and having a lot of conversations but, but also on that every single one of the acquisitions that we've made or the investments have all been from our network yes so oh. it's the reputation that we've built in the last sort of five, okay. six years. It's really interesting. Yeah. 
the one so the, the six or seven that have fallen through were typically from our cold outreach that we were trying to drive that warm introduction of yeah we've worked with these guys we know them we can vouch for them massively helps it's because on each of the investments we, we were up against other people there were other people at the table but you were the trusted or the we party the or the party, party that had somebody vouching for your integrity exactly. and the way in which you did business and and for so we spoke about speak on podcasts so that deal in particular i know the other offer that was on the table was a better offer mm-hmm. but they decided to not go with it because of the people because of the people and because of what we presented to them as a vision of what we wanted to do with the company it's interesting yeah. um, they, they wanted to pre- protect the team um, and I don't think they got that true trust from from the other offer um, and we've stood by everything that we said uh, within that business um, and they're really happy with you know where we've taken it yeah and I think the team are happy as well so bring it back to perhaps some of the listeners to the podcast that, you know, may maybe not looking to form the kind of group that you are and, and to be a kind of capital based business, but are looking actually that one of their routes to scale is to bolt another business on. Mm-hmm. Any hints and tips? I mean, it's a big old question, this one. But any hints and tips big. on acquisitions? I think one of the things that we've learned is, and sort of an add on from the conversation we've just had is the company that you're going to acquire or that you want to acquire is probably closer to you than you think. Mm. Um, We went out trying to have as many conversations as possible, which was good and a good lesson. But the acquisition that we made was actually in our laps and was one connection away. Um, So what I would say is understand why you want to make, you know, sort of a bolt on acquisition. Is it a strategic acquisition? Is it because you want to add a particular service? Is it because you want a wider reach in the market? And then use your network. Yeah, that's what's worked really, really well for us. Yeah, and from what I'm hearing as well, also be sort of flexible on your approach. Don't be too fixated with this is how thou shall do it. Yeah, what you think is going to work won't. It won't end up like yeah. that. You know, the three of us around the table have all done deals. What you go in on day one with an offer or how you think it's going to look yeah. is never how it ends yeah. up. And I think this is something that I don't think is ever spoken about is both from the buyer side and the seller side is the emotional roller coaster that it yeah, creates. Definitely. It's it's really quite hard. Yeah. And often all the deals that we've done is everybody is pulling towards, you know, a common goal of whether it's an exit, whether it's an acquisition. Yeah. We are all and that's been the site. And I think where we've lost deals or where deals have fallen apart that end goal has been lost and you know there's many different factors it could be the motivations change when external parties get involved like lawyers or due diligence professionals yeah it it can change things goalposts can move and the 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 one the deals that we've been able to to get over the line that common goal has always stayed the same eyes that focus despite outside influence and that that is impossible to to avoid but it's interesting isn't it because the emotion does kick in i've bought when we were growing the business tax advisory firm, we grew bought to other practices. I'm reflecting on the conversation already. <laughs> yeah. They were both known or one connection away from me. Yep. They both had circumstances. They both had a reason. And clearly, I haven't gone through a sale process. But you do realise in all of those cases, and you've said it, it's the emotion, isn't it? Yep. Mm. Particularly, I think, if you're selling. Correct. And as a buyer, I think you need to be very sensitive to that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the sellers often think the business is is worth more than than it is and that's not always the case but there are 
there are motivations to try and get the maximum. It's an expectation gap. Exactly. You're buying and selling anything, you know, a car or anything, a house. And I think how you navigate that conversation is often, and you have to to come at it from a place of compassion, but also setting up. But that's also where you can be creative. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also being honest with them as well. Like, you know, we, we had a few that fell through this year and it was just so off because they, they were valuing things in the business that weren't even there or, you know, things that were going to be there in 12 months time. And we were like, that's not, that's not on the balance sheet right now. Um, So we can't, we can't buy against that. Another one around a bit of advice, if you're a smaller business, which we did in Social Chaps, is looking down like the aqua hire route. Okay. So we brought brought in a freelancer, almost sort of bought him and his clients. Um, he was struggling with the other side of the business, the sales, <clears throat> the you know the delivery of it, where we could we could do that and support him. Um, so we brought him, added you know five ten k to our monthly recurring revenue, yeah. um, and then also him as a as a business owner as well. Um, so if you don't have as much cash to invest or buy, that's also another route that we've done, which works quite well. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? And I, I wanted to talk to you about culture, but, but maybe it's not so important. Now I understand the model of leaving the company to standalones. But do all the businesses you have have a similar nature and culture? Is you know, And what are some of the challenges around culture when you have acquired? We could definitely talk at length about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's actually a conversation Dom and I had this morning. I think culture is one of the most important things. Without getting too sort of wishy-washy, I think culture is one of the larger defining reasons between success and failure. In all of the companies that we've got, we there is some form of education around what we want the culture to look like. So despite them being standalone, okay. they obviously have their own existing culture. Yeah. What we come in and do is try and more often than not sort of professionalized, but also try and bring some form of winning mentality. And I know that okay. sounds a little bit sort of old school or sport-like. Yeah. But in order to go from a million to five million in revenue, which is typically where most of the agents are, agencies are, yeah. there's got to be a big, a big shift in mentality. Yeah. So whilst culture across the group, so culture between Dom and I, there is obviously a culture there, but it's yeah. only Dom and I yeah. that sit in the gr- at group level with our support team. In each of the individual agencies, there is an existing culture, and then we try and come in and, and then try and bring some commonality to exactly. it. But. Yeah, <clears throat> it's, and it's, it's recognizing the difference in each business. Speak on podcasts is a is a fully remote team. They don't really need to meet up because they focus so much on culture at the start. Whereas maybe one of the other businesses, they need to be in person mm. once or twice a week because it's a it's a massively creative business, so you need to you need to have that in person time to, you know, have those sparks and have that creativity. So it's it's recognizing from an outside what what that business needs and what you know how to get that culture right, and it is different in every business. Mm. We should probably go on and have a conversation about you. The fact that you are two brothers, two brothers in business. Have you always been in business together, or is it coming together kind of at a later stage? Yeah, later stage. Mm. Both had our own separate businesses. Okay. I was running the, the family business, which is an IT management consultancy. Dom was running, Dom can talk about himself in a minute. Talk, <laughs> I ended up talking for him. Um, but we were sharing an office and we had a similar problem, which was marketing agencies or lead gen yeah. growth and sort of raised my concerns. I think I'd spent about 15, 16 grand with a, a marketing agency. 
raised it to Dom over lunch, um, or probably a beer, more realistically. Or ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I've, you know, he had a similar issue. So we both just sort of went about and tried to create a solution over the next three to six months, um, where not a lot happened. It was a lot of testing on, yeah. mainly on Dom's business. And then we stumbled across something that worked. Yeah. And Dom, what was your background then? Yeah, so um, first business was a design agency, and then we spanned that into a tech business. Um, so we were doing recruitment technology. Um, so raised raised a seed round, built the built the product. Would definitely do it differently now, but built the product. You live and learn. Yeah. <laughs> then I was like, right, I need to sell this. Yeah. Uh, whereas obviously, if I did it this time round, I'd sell first and then build after. And yeah, went to a few agencies, had a bit of budget left um, from the raise and just got nowhere with, with agencies. They were just, you know, doing, recommending things. And I was going with it because I thought they were the specialists and then realized that B2B, a lot of it is around building relationships, not posting on social media mm-hmm. once a week or Instagram or Facebook. That just didn't mm-hmm. work for us. So we built this system that sort of builds relationships at scale on LinkedIn and email, scaled up STEMX, which is what it was called. Okay. So ended up within 12 months working with Shazam, Tommy Hilfiger, and running the some recruitment technology through them. Um, and then I exited that business. Similar time, Elle was exiting yep. um, South Coast Network. Um, and then we launched Social Chaps. Wow. So <clears throat> yeah, there was a few other ones we tried to do in, in the meantime. I tried to do sort of frozen drinks, <laughs> was, frozen, was, frozen, um, alcoholic. alcoholic. Yeah, okay, alcoholic. so they might have had some issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah some yeah. issues. <coughs> yeah, yeah, a few issues. I mean, the thing... Great it, fun trialling the product, oh, right? Oh, no, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we had... Six we had months of R&D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, yeah, slight issue with freezing vodka, but um, other than that, there were, there were a few sort of failures. Yeah. Um, so I think the thing with Dom and I, we, we grew up in our teens... Not really getting on. Okay. Really close when you know when we were younger, playing yeah. footy and siblings do. Yeah. Pull apart a little mm-hmm. bit. Really they? close. Then hit teens. Um, we realised that we didn't like each other, <laughs> and we were competing. So probably didn't talk for like two, three years, and then it got to. I don't know when Don was old enough to drink, and we were like, "Oh, you're actually all right. <laughs> you're <laughs> okay. You're, you're okay. We don't need to fight anymore." So started socialising together okay. and. It, it grew quite quickly, sort of a, you know, a close relationship. But we are, I think the thing that we didn't realize that we had is a, an understanding of who each other are better than anybody else. You yeah. know, I had a relationship in, in the consultancy. Dom had a similar relationship where you're working with business partners and you're trying to navigate personalities yeah. and you, you know them but you don't really know them yeah it takes a long time when you long co-found time. something with somebody to really, really find time. out do you click do you gel yeah and, and it's, it, yeah it's not even that it's just how you communicate how you know yeah. with me and l we you know we don't have to worry about how the other one's going to react or you know say things in a specific no. way where obviously when you're with a co-founder sometimes you overthink things or worry about what they're going to say mm. or how they're going to feel we know that everything that I say to Elle is for the better of the business and, you know, what we're yep. doing. Whereas sometimes there's hidden agendas, not always, you know, yeah. at all, but there's never that worry between no, there's us. That trust, there's that, that trust. There's that trust. There's absolutely a trust yeah. at a yeah. fundamental level between you, isn't there? And that, that's what makes it different. Yeah, so it's, 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 worked, it's worked 
reasonably well, I yeah. would say. Um, it seems to be working well. It's working well. I think understanding each other's flaws. Yeah, I was going to um, just is, going to say, do you have you worked out now where each other's strengths are, and yeah, and yeah. have you shared the roles and responsibilities yeah. of Chapman Capital between you? Yeah, I think we. So one of the things that we do, we have the same job title in a, in every single business. Yeah. So there's no from an and we do that because from an external perspective, we don't want any hierarchy. Dom might be in charge of one area of the business, and I might be mm. in charge of another, but externally. We want everybody to see that we are implicitly united. There is yeah. no one person that runs this. There is no one person above the other. But Dom very much has the things that he's good at, and I have the things that I'm good at, and there is no crossover. <laughs> it's quite clear. <laughs> it's quite clear. No, it is. And, and even we don't even say it to sort of new business partners who come in, but they'll call both me and Elle for the right things. And, you know, they'll never call Elle for a certain thing, and they'll, yeah. they'll come straight to me. So it must be that obvious yeah. <laughs> if, if we don't even have to say it and it and they know giving off the vibes yeah giving off the vibes, <laughs> off the vibes um, and how scalable do you think it is because at the moment it is the two of you so every business that you either invest in or acquire uses those resources that you both have and you're putting your time and effort in to those businesses at the moment yep. and getting the returns and it's great it sounds like it's got momentum but how scalable is that great question one that is very prominent at the moment so we're we're sort of at six within the portfolio at the minute and as things stand i don't think we could bring in another business okay we've got a we, we do have a team around us so we do have um you know a small team around us supporting us on nearly everything that we do yeah but it still requires dom and i to do a lot of the heavy lifting yeah so as it stands in its current format there's probably nothing beyond this that being said we're working hard to to work out right at what you know what are the single point of failures yeah. where do Dom and I create a bottleneck and trying to somewhat eliminate that or build out a process or share knowledge evolve it is scalable yeah it, it yeah. can be done the solutions out there isn't it yeah absolutely yeah. it's just in what capacity yeah. how do we do it how do we transfer that knowledge yeah and I think because we didn't know how fast we were going to grow or you know we just wanted to invest and acquire. We didn't realize we were going to have this portfolio this quickly. Mm-hmm. So now we're here um, and we're busy and we're sort of at our optimum. It's now how do we sort of, yeah. you know, bring people in who can push on the businesses as well, not yeah. just not just us. Yeah, I suppose. So. And that comes back to skill sets, I assume, again, and, and realizing where do you want to be and what makes you happy and... And where do you get yeah that, that joy in what you do and then bringing others in to backfill? Yeah, it's a really good question. We literally had a session on that last week, didn't we? Yeah. Every year we have a sort of end of year session where we okay. review the year, plan plan next, make the goals. Um, and they're very much sort of a blend of personal goals and you know goals between us and the businesses as well. But that, that very much came up, uh, yeah. you know, what makes us happy. Yeah. I think without a North Star, we get, we get lost sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's quite... Yeah. common in founders That's not unusual not no. unusual um but we didn't think i don't think we thought we were going to succeed this quickly with yeah. with chapman capital so it's been a bit of a last couple of weeks has been you know we sort of we've done it um and it's what what's next yeah i i explained it to dom we had a, a sort of a lock away session where we we did exactly what dom's dom explained not often do you sit down at the end of the year and you've actually achieved what you wanted to achieve yeah. i know that sounds you know, we sit there in December or January and say, right, I, in December, I'm going to be this person. Quite often, that doesn't materialise for no. one thing or another. 
we set out last July, August saying we want to own a group of amazing agencies. Didn't put a number on it, yeah. but said we want to have a group of amazing agencies and we, we have done that. And it's like, okay, what, where is the North? Sort of that North Star needs yeah, to be somewhat definitely. redefined. Because I think quite often as a human being, forget about business. If you don't have something that you're working towards, whether it be a fitness goal or whatever, it could be anything, yeah. you do lose sight of... As humans, we drift, drift. quite easily, yeah. don't we? Unless you've got a focus, a target, a goal. Exactly. Maybe that's the nature of you know, the three of us around the table is that we're that kind of people as well, that we need that focus, we need that target. It's kind of inbred. Where's the next goal? Where's the next challenge? Yep. But surely there's a moment for now where you can just enjoy what you've created, isn't there? Mm. Oh, we we have, we yeah. have. We've we, sort of given yeah. ourselves a pat. There's on the hesitation. Back and said, well, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we gave ourselves a day. You've got to celebrate your successes as well, <laughs> yeah. haven't you? Absolutely. I'm I'm proud of what we've. I'm I am very proud of what we've achieved this year. Um, I think most people that listen to this podcast would also understand that even once you've achieved something, um, I don't know whether this is. But this that's, this has to be somewhat normal, yeah. where you then focus it on okay, what is the next success? Yeah, what is the next north star? Like you know, we sat down last week and gave each other a pat on the back. Yeah, yeah. What, more, what yeah. more do we need? Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> let's it's, go again. Let's go again. It's, it's, it's similar to sales as well. Like when we made our first sale at Social Chaps, we were so excited. Yeah, and then. You know, you get 15, 20, 25 down the line mm. and you don't even celebrate a sale, no. um, you know, you know, bringing in a new that customer. And it's the same, you know, the first Speak On podcast, we celebrated, we met up for, a, you know, a beer. Nice and, dinner. And I don't even think we celebrated like the sixth one. We, we didn't, just even, went, we didn't you know, even communicate. We didn't even communicate. <laughs> and it's, it's, <laughs> you just become so numb to... You do. But one of the things I think I suppose it's one of those lessons I've learned along the way is that I may be like that. I mm. may be looking ahead to the yeah. next goal the next target but you, you've got a team around you haven't you that are actually going just a minute hands up yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. look what we've done look what we've achieved yeah could we just pause could we just celebrate and, yeah and you've got to do that with them sometimes haven't you? absolutely yeah, and that's something we, we could probably be better at yeah um, celebrate with the team without question i think yeah. that, i think what also hampers the celebration is now that you've now that we've done six we know how much work is involved in that first 90 days <laughs> yeah um, so we've sort of got a standardised I was going to just say you've got plan. a standard 90 you've, you're putting systems and processes yeah. around it to know what you need to do in that first 90 days as standardised and as fluid yeah. at the, in the same no breath. one business no. is the same is there yeah. but, you, but there are a set of you know things. things you've got to achieve in that 90 yeah. days exactly and, and I think you know Dom obviously if this hasn't come across already but Dom clearly focuses on the systems and processes side of the business and my side is very much looking at right. How do we get people on board quite quickly? Yeah. Um, because we've done it. We've integrated businesses well, and we've integrated businesses badly mm-hmm. in just the last twelve Part months. Of the learning curve. Hundred yeah. percent. And you won't always get it right going forward. There's no, no <laughs> recipe for success, is there? Um, so I very much focus on right. How do I, as quickly as possible, get people bought into what our vision is for the company, and give Dom the breathing space that he needs to redefine some of the processes focus on some of the technology implement new ideas because that needs space and a level of diversion and i think in that first particularly the first 30 days a lot of people a lot of the staff need your assurance that you're not Mm. going to come in and rip things apart yeah it's it's also finding the quick wins as well people want 
to see something in the first 90 days, which yeah. is crazy because it's only th- it's three months. But yeah. trying to find one of those quick wins to almost prove your worth yeah. within the business is, is really, really key. And sort of what we've nailed in everyone, really. Yeah. And what about resistance? Obviously, you've bought the business from the existing owners or you've invested so that they're still vested with you. How people think they want to sell the business, people think they want investment, don't they? And again, some personal experiences here, but perhaps that's not truly what they were after when the, when the reality comes to hit. So um, obviously, without specifics of the companies themselves, but how have you had resistance, and how have you dealt with that resistance? <laughs> Looks at me. Um, more resistance, I think, from from team. Okay. Um, for I think we can speak about speak on podcasts quite openly. Um, there was definitely resistance and fear around new owners coming in at the start, yeah. and how we dealt with that. They were a small team. There was uh, 15, 15, 15, 16. 16 of them. So as soon as the sale went through, we announced it, and I jumped on. L led the the acquisition, and then I, I'm always sort of post acquisition, uh, which was nice doing it 16th of December, nice and close <laughs> Christmas. Thank you. Um, You're <laughs> so I jumped on one to ones with all of the team individually, and just sort of introduced myself, introduced us, and sort of set a little bit of a vision before before January, really, just trying mm. to ease them over that Christmas period because obviously if that goes through on the 16th, and then we're not. Yeah. anywhere to be Not seen in until, any contact yeah. there was a lot of nerves as well there was a lot of yeah. nerves yeah a few a things happened before we came in that created a bit of an unsettled culture so for for me or for us I think key was just getting some one one on one time with each individual sort of employee that was one scenario and the other scenario there was more resistance around what we wanted to deliver as ideas so all of the things that I presented um, I was getting a lot of not a lot of support from okay. the internal teams to actually deliver what I wanted from a marketing, from a sales point of view. And I ended up just going and sitting in the office next to them sort of two days a week okay. and just getting myself closer to the business. And, you know, sometimes I think it's just touch time with individuals yeah. and just showing that you're turning up and delivering every day. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you just need to have time and give people time to get them bought in yeah. and then just re- again, really focusing on a few quick wins or some wins here and there to get them going. This this kind of works. Yeah. Um, so we sort of did a roundtable, got like twelve business leaders in the room at their office. Um, like really impressive people coming into the office. Uh, and I think at that point they were like, these guys, you know, okay. they can they can deliver. It's reality. Yeah, yeah, this. reality. Yeah. Um, so two different scenarios, but again, it's just turning up every day. Yeah. I think um, and just showing showing your worth. Yeah. I think it's got to be that, hasn't it? And I suppose the fact that you've got the plan and you can share that and and ideas. But the way in which you make the acquisition so quickly, fundamentally, have you got time while you're doing the acquisition to work out the strategy and where you're going to take that business? Or are you quite having to be quite reactive when you have acquired? No, we do try and set some form of high-level strategy. Yeah. And that a lot of that is based on the information that we're given from the founders. So they will set out what they would do with the business. So, you know, a classic question that we would ask in sort of conversation number one or two is um, once we've established why they're selling and what their motives are, what would you do if you weren't selling? If you were us, what would you be doing with the business? Nobody knows their businesses better than than them and take some of what they're saying and overlay it with how we think it should run. And I suppose you've got the fundamental that you are 
buying these businesses to feed in the lead gen, aren't you? So I suppose there is an overarching strategy. Yeah, and I I think that always always relieves the pressure when we go in and buy is (laughs) that we can plug in all our systems and, you know, go from maybe three or four meetings a week yeah. in terms of sales meetings to 30, 40, 50 meetings a month quite quickly. Yeah. Um, so it relieves the pressure around the rest of the business. Um, so quite lucky in that, you know, yeah. in that side yeah. of it. So really- there, there is a, I would say, in all, in everything that Dom and I do, we have a an overarching belief of how we think businesses should be ran from culture, systems, processes. And then... From there, everything is then customized to the business. Um, we try and productize things as much as possible to make things easier and quicker to sell. Yeah. So, for example, if we saw a business that wasn't doing that, but could do that, that would be a perfect business for us to go, is there an opportunity here? Yeah. Because we could quite quickly take what is maybe a six to 12 month sales cycle from a corporate sale yeah. down to maybe three months. Okay. To just make it easier, the make buying it easy process. To buy. Easy, yeah. Make it easy to buy. Make it easy to buy, and that's where Dom's talking about the, you know, the quick wins. Yeah. Identify and, and typically you wouldn't know if that's going to work. You'd have a gut feel, but you're not going to know until you're through the door whether that's yeah. actually going to work or not. So, we we tried to implement something in Speak on podcasts that worked quickly. So it worked within the first ninety days. So we got the team on board, but quite quickly after the 90 days, we realized that it was the wrong thing. Yeah. So we, after, I think this was after about four or five months. We presented it in the March board meeting. Right. Because we'd done three months. So we, we changed the offering um, from a fully delivered to deliver it in four months, 20, 25 podcasts. And what we realized is... One getting on twenty podcasts in four months is a lot of work. Yeah. We've, we've just done it, and it's it's not fun. <laughs> it's too much. Um, You're enjoying this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is because it's the final one. <laughs> um, so we were we you know we were signing guests on, um, and they were they were doing sort of four or five podcasts a month, and it was too much. Yeah. And also to do a podcasting tour, you need six to 12 months to see the value the value because you know you yeah. might not it might not go live for another two months so we were selling well but the customers weren't seeing the return just yet so we shifted from four months to 12 months and just reduced that price yeah. also relieved the pressure on the team massively but, relieved the pressure um, on the team it took three four months of you know seeing those customers through the journey to um to understand that and going through the journey ourselves as well yeah going through sort of buying the service we try and every every company that we're working with that we invest in we try and somewhat test out the service or um, get people bring it into your yeah what you're doing and get people that we know using the service get their feedback what would you change what's good what's not and take that information and try and run with it interesting and it's great to hear that you know it's that kind of don't have the ego isn't it in actually yeah. listen and kind of adapt and change as as you need to do yeah we're there we're there to try and grow the companies mm. you know if, if what dom and i are doing is going to realize its potential in the next five years then the companies have to grow mm. we've got a mechanism to do that that will take it so far but you also have to listen to the feedback not only from the customers but also the team mm. you know the team are going to be telling you what they like and what they don't like and you've got to somewhat have a way to to filter that, those opinions yeah. and implement it. Okay, filter and navigate. And I, as we sort of start to wrap up our conversation, 
What's your view on technology, AI, how that may affect the marketing world and the acquisitions that you've made? I mean, you could talk about the acquisition side. Um, I think from a, from the marketing world, I think it's just going to, um, one, speed up delivery of everything from mm-hmm. content to strategy. You know, it, it lays down good foundations, but what I don't want to happen is it make marketeers and, and sales teams lazy. It should elevate what they do, not yeah. make them lazy. It take out the basics, it should the take routine, out the, and yeah. let the skill come in. Yeah, mm. let the skill come in. Um, and it's like any other AI. Um, it should uh, allow you to sort of, you know, elevate yourselves as a as a thinker. But I see a lot of people being very lazy with it, um, you know, letting them do all the work and it. Yeah. you can just tell. When it's it, obvious now. It's, it's becoming so, so obvious. It is. It's so obvious. Um, and I also think that's a unique opportunity especially within the content world to, you know, not focus on AI, but sort of high end content and, you know, personal content. It'll allow people to sort of differentiate themselves from the people who are are being lazy with sort of content and marketing through AI. So there's definitely a space for it. And I think it's amazing. It's just how it's utilized within businesses. Completely echo that. It could be fantastic for the M&A space if used correctly. Yeah. Um, it can add value to businesses if used correctly, but I also think it can decrease the value of the business if it's too heavily relied on. Yeah. Because in a business and evaluation, you've got to you've got to be in control of your assets. Well, you need an IP. You, you need, need IP. You need IP, and you need to be doing something somewhat unique. Exactly. Don't you? And if you know if that technology, whether it's not yours or whether it's a bit of AI that you're leveraging that's owned by somebody else, there's going to be an there is going to be a flaw. Yeah or a ceiling rather, to yeah. to the valuation. Just a quick one on um, sort of chat GPT or, or AI. We were in talks to acquire a, a technology company and the first revision of a heads of terms agreement was so blatantly written by chat GPT. And listen, we've used chat GPT, mm. um, but we were talking about an acquisition north of a million. Wow. And uh, <laughs> again... <laughs> I mean, and it was also obvious because they were not an English company. Okay. It was very, very blatant. Yeah. So in in some circumstances, it can be great. In others, it could be detrimental. Okay. Good. Great responses. I'm just going to end with two kind of final questions. One is around, and probably a shared response here, but maybe there may be some differences. What do you think your most important principles in business and life are? Good question. Always goes to me first so he can think for longer. Yeah. This is what he does. When he doesn't want to... He knows the answer, he's yeah, off. I know, I know. It's your <laughs> you, turn to go yeah, first. You off. understand it, man. <laughs> Throws me under the bus. Um, I think it's sort of staying true to your word um, and just, you know, being your authentic self. I think one thing we really focus on is building deep relationships with people. And that's why a lot of the, the acquisitions and investments we've done over the last 12 months have come from people we've known for years um, in and around the business world and helping where we can. Not even, you know, not expecting anything in return either, just supporting where we can. Um, I think one thing we really focus on is being good networkers um, and maintaining those relationships. And that's personal and and business. Brilliant. Cool. Anything to add? No, I was actually going to go down the authenticity route as well, then, um, which so thanks for stealing that one. But it's the, <laughs> the point. The point is, um, 
is absolutely valid. If you're, whether this is personal or business, if you're waking up doing things that you don't want to do, in today's world, you really do need to sort of have a little think and where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? And make make that change um, and just be true to, to the human being that you are and accept that everybody is completely different. Yeah. We're all going to have a difference of opinion and that's absolutely fine. The other thing that, more of a value, I would say, but what we're trying to do is Dom and I are trying to build wealth, but also something that we are both proud of, mm. that we can, in 20 years' time, look back and just be proud of the work that yeah. we've done. Not necessarily the... I, I did open that with wealth, but not necessarily the financial side of it, because yeah. I believe if you do good work with good people, that will look after itself. Yeah, the money... Came, my, yeah, I think yeah. my own experience is when I focused on the money, the money didn't really come. Yep. Created a great business, cared about our clients, looked after our people... And the wealth and the financial itself. returns came. Mm-hmm. So if, right. if we can be proud of the work that we're doing with the people that we're, that we're doing it with, yeah. I'll be pretty happy in 20 years. Brilliant. So my final question, which I think, Elliot, you've, you've answered, but I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I will go to Dom first. <laughs> <laughs> and we you may want to add, is that definition of success? I think you've really given your definition of personal success, haven't yep. you? I'm happy with that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, definition of success. Yeah, I think echo everything else said, uh, which is to look back and be proud of everything that we've done, and also take other people on on the journey with us as well. I think that's something that I want to be proud of in sort of ten, fifteen years. Is the people who are around us now are still around us in ten, fifteen, twenty years time. Um, I think that shows a definition of success around how we build relationships and maintain those not just, you know, growing companies and making people money, um, but actually building those sort of deep relationships. Brilliant. You've both been great guests on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you for both using your own words, being so authentic, being so honest about, you know, the story so far. Good luck. Uh, And as I say, thank you for being great guests on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Welcome very much for having us. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. And don't forget, if you'd like to learn more about Evolve and the services we offer and how we can help you and your business confidently start, grow and exit, then please go to evolveadvisory.co.uk. Please also help and support this podcast by subscribing, liking, and giving us a positive review on your favorite listening platform. Thanks for listening and see you next week.